Richard Roberts. and we give you honor and we give you glory in this sanctuary for you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. Thank you, Lord, for the word of God, which is alive and full of power, active, energizing, effective, and sharper than any two-edged sword. And when that word gets inside of us, we become alive and full of power, able to do mighty exploits for God through faith in Jesus' name. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We praise you tonight. I receive a fresh touch of the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. I receive it in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you that your angels are walking these aisles tonight. Satan is cast out and bound in the name of Jesus. What we do in this place tonight brings honor and glory unto the Lord. I pray these things in the name of Jesus and all who are in agreement said, Amen. Amen. Give him a shout of praise tonight. Hallelujah. Okay, God bless you. You may be seated. Pastor, did you say you're not tired? I'm not tired either. How can I be tired? You fed me Mexican food. I mean, wow. Some great Tennessee Mexican food today. It was wonderful. Wonderful. Praise God. I want you to know something else too. I tested positive today for the blessing. Tested positive for the blessing. Hallelujah. train either. I saw Austin P. University. I saw I saw Frank Sutton's statue. Sergeant Carter. I saw the city. I saw the military base. Drove right up to the gate. Thank God for that. Thank God for an opportunity to be here with Pastor William and Ginger. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you for the invitation. El Greco, thanks for taking such good care of me. Appreciate that. I'm not messing with him. I'm remembering to be thankful. (laughs) 
praise God. Amen. Well, I love to tell stories, and uh, I hear a good one, and I'll, I'll send it to Joel Osteen because he always tells a story, you know, uh-huh. where he preaches. I heard about this woman who died and went to heaven. And when she got to the gate, she was met by St. Peter. And St. Peter said, I'm glad you made it. And she said, I'm glad I made it. And uh, she said, what do I have to do to come in the gate? And he said, it's very simple. All you have to do is spell one word. And she said, what's the word? And he said, love. If you can spell love, you can come in. And she said, well, that's easy. L-O-V-E. He said, come on in. And she went through the gate and she saw the magnificence of heaven. He said, now, ma'am, I've got to run some errands. Would you mind watching the gate for me for a few minutes? (laughs) She said, sure, what do I do? Well, when people come, just ask them to spell the word and if they can spell it, let them in. She said, all right, I can do that. And the people were coming and she'd have them spell the word and let them come in. And she looked up and here came her (laughs) ex-husband. And he was shocked to see her, and she was more shocked to see him. And he said, uh, what's going on? And she said, well, Peter had to run some errands and asked me if I would watch the gate for a while. And he said, well, what do I have to do to come in? She said, you just have to spell one word. He said, what's the word? She said, Czechoslovakia. Pastor Ginger, that was for you. (laughs) Oh, glory. Oh, I told Joel Joel Osteen that that the other day. (laughs) When you hear him tell it, he got it from me. (laughs) All right, how many of you uh, received a healing uh, since I've been here? You had a a healing. and And wait a minute, and you did not testify last night. You received a healing and you did not testify last night. Put your hand up. All right, you who did not testify, come on down here. Come on down here, line up. If you received a healing but you didn't testify last night, come up here and line up. Something about testimonies, it charges people's faith. Helps them to believe and, well, if they can receive a healing, I can receive a healing, okay? Come down here and line up. Dr. Ogle, you take that end of the line. Because I had so many last night, we just, we filled the, well, almost half the crowd came up to the front last night. So, ma'am, what happened to you last night, or, or Sunday night when we prayed? Pardon, it was your niece? niece. Well, tell, tell me what happened to her. Getting up and down out that chair. I have no problem. No problem now? Nope. Up and down easy? Amen. Show me. No problem? All right, what happened to you, young man? What was it again? Oh, I can't remember. <laughs> Pardon? He's just so excited. What happened to you when we prayed? Well, I felt better that I prayed. You felt better that you prayed? Amen. Well, that's pretty Amen. important. Praise God. What happened to you? Um, well, I, it wasn't feel, eh, physical, but I'd been dealing with uh, a lot of stress and um, just mental oppression and 
just feeling like I was doing everything the devil, terribly. Like the, like the devil coming at your mind? Yeah. Did you feel a release? I did, yeah. After um, after you prayed, you'd called out, you know, um, mental attacks and stuff like that, uh-huh. and I felt it leaving. And You know, a lot of yeah. people are being attacked like that. Yeah. Thank God you got healed. What happened? what happened when we prayed? I had um, a knee operation, mm-hmm. and the other one they want to operate on. But, and then I had a hip operation. And when they did the hip operation, there's a bone in there that they can't operate again. Because he said if they operate again, he don't know how I would turn out. I said, I'm walking, leave it alone. Um, but the knee, like you said the other day, you're things going on your hand. Mm-hmm. This knee is getting better. This one is great. I don't need no, and I don't know where the bone is, but I'm, I'm glad it's, it's not there. So, <laughs> but all I know is God is good, good, good. What happened, what happened to you? I'm suffering pancreas cancer and liver cancer, and I know that I've been healed. I've been healed. I know I've been healed. And I set my faith with you in Jesus' name. I just know that God has healed me. My whole body feels like it's just rejuvenated. God has healed me. He's healed me. All right. We agree with you. What happened to you? I um, hurt my back uh, in the later uh, 90s when I was active duty, and I have been in pain ever since. And not last night, the night before. Yeah, Sunday night. Bless you. Bless you. It's gone. Thank you. It's gone. Praise God. <laughs> Thank you. What happened to you? Um, I have Achilles tendonitis, plantar fasciitis. Um, what? Now say that again. What is that? On my feet. I'm sorry. On my plantar feet. Fasciitis. Oh, plantar fasciitis. Okay. Yes. All right. Okay. Um, bone spurs. I thought you were talking about peanuts. Plantar's peanuts. <laughs> I didn't know what she was talking about. No, um, you had planters for plantar, blah, 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 blah. plantar fasciitis. Oh, oh, oh yeah. Okay. Achilles tendonitis. What is um, that? What does that mean? It's all on my feet. Um, Basically, everything I've heard could go wrong with your feet. It's been going wrong with my feet. Okay. How can you um, tell I'm it's going? Pain. Um, I've been on my feet. I start work at 6 o'clock in the morning, come straight here, on my feet all the time, and I've had no pain. No pain? No pain. No what pain. happened to you? Well, I have been doing okay, but uh, for a p- couple of days, I hurt my back, and I was telling my husband, I said, oh, I have this terrible pain that goes up and down my back. And he, we pray, and uh, Sunday, well, we couldn't make it for diff- uh, special reasons. Because of back pain. <laughs> no. <laughs> but uh, Sunday, when uh, you were mentioning, if anybody was hurting and you said a difference, mm-hmm. and, I, and I stood up right there, we, we watched you on our TV, because mm-hmm. we have it on Fire Stick, and uh, we prayed, and, and when you said, uh, you just move around, and I said, Okay, I'm going to move around. And I moved, and it wasn't hurting anymore because it would hurt to turn, to Just to walk. try to move it would hurt. Yes. And now Is I Is there turn. any pain now? Just no. do everything. Move her, move her where you can now. Yeah. Up and down. You move like No pain? No pain. Thank God. At the end of the service, I told him, I, I, I don't have any more pain. I said, I, it, I'm healed. <laughs> we were praising Thank the Lord. <laughs> did you get a healing also? I did, yes. What happened? Uh, TMJ, you, you mentioned, I mentioned TMJ. I mentioned TMJ, yeah, on the job. Uh, I'm healed from that, and also my feet and my legs. Um, another thing, we were quarantined. That's the reason why we weren't here. Yeah. But we, uh, we called and te- got tested, and we are tested negative. So it got, we got to heal from that, too. So praise the Lord, huh? Amen. 
What happened to you? Well, I actually kind of just racked up. You what? I racked up. Initially, you said, stand up for the back, and then I felt this wonderful, warm surge in my back. Then you talked about the knees. I said, well, I might, I might as well get back that too. And knees? Then you said feet and toes. Feet? I was like, I might as well get that too. So, so you just getting that, a general overhaul. I did. I did. I did. I did. So, absolutely wonderful. And I think my patients loved it too. So. Well, praise God. Praise, praise God. God. What happened? Well, first was Sunday night. Uh, you said something about your jaws and been having trouble with my jaws and as soon as you start talking about it I could feel it tingling like mm -hmm. all over in here and I'm I'm declaring that that part is healed Amen. praise God and then you said something about your lungs and your breathing well I use two different inhalers like multiple times a day mm -hmm. and today I haven't used one at all what happened to you Blood pressure went down. It's confirmation I got home and my ankles weren't swollen like they used to. No swelling? Blood pressure down? Yeah. What, what happened to you? My nasal passages cleared up, my lungs, my back, my ankle. Amen. <laughs> How about you? What happened? I have uh, just several injuries. I had a lower back pain um, where I injured myself in college, and then I have... Um, or I had uh, a cyst behind my knee. And when you mentioned fluid in your knees, the cyst you know, yeah, behind, the cyst behind my knee, it's not there anymore. It's and gone. my lower back, I've been in pain for years and no pain. And I've been praying about it, and God gave me the word renew. And I just keep hearing that word, renew, and I feel renewed. So... That you, Anna, did you get a healing too? Did she get a healing? Uh, what? Did you get a healing too? Yes. Or you stand up here with your mama? Um, so my thyroid, I have an appointment coming up next week. Right, mom? So um, we've been doing a lot of things to help me. And I think it is healed because um, um, God's been working things out for me. All right. Well, I set my faith with you right now. I set my faith with you right now for your thyroid to be perfectly healed. In Jesus' name. What happened to you, young lady? Um, I remember going to the doctor's office and uh, the lady who was like doing the checkup thing on me, she was like, stand up. And I, I stood up and my feet, they were like, it, it felt really bad. Like my feet, they were hurting like really badly. And um, I remember like my nose, like the bridge in my nose that you were talking about, mm -hmm. that felt like really bad. Like every day it was like, it was like really bad pains. Mm -hmm. Um, and when you mentioned, uh, feet and the bridge of your nose, like everything, it was like almost like rapid, like everything, like everything felt good. And now my feet haven't hurt and my nose hasn't hurt anymore. Come on, give him a God bless you. Come on. Isn't that wonderful? Thank the Lord. You know, I believe in the confirmation of the word. Jesus came to preach, excuse me, Pastor, to preach and teach and heal. That's the full gospel. Everybody say, full gospel. It's not just preaching, it's not just teaching, it's not just the healing ministry, it's all three. It's preaching, teaching, and God's healing power. Thank God for that. 
Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I love to, to have people give testimonies because it helps build people's faith. Yes, that they can believe for something supernatural happen in their lives. Dr. Ogle, thanks for, for uh, doing, those, doing the testimonies on the microphone. If you have your Bibles tonight, open up to Philippians. <laughs> Philippians chapter 2. Let's take a little Bible journey tonight, okay? okay. I've got about 16 messages, and I'm going to see if I can re- preach about 9 or 10 of them, okay? Come on. Hope you're not in a hurry. We'll be through by midnight. You know, Paul preached till midnight one night and a young man fell out of the window and died. They had to raise him up, you know. You never might might not know what happened tonight, you know, here in Clarksville. Open up to Philippians, chap, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. Who over here has a problem with your hearing? You and you, both of you just stand up right now. In the authority of Jesus, the right ear, and your throat too, both ears. In the authority of Jesus' name, loosen, loosen. I just watch as the service opens. You get my attention. You tell me when that hearing just opens up. Wave that mirror. Stand up and dance or something. Okay. All right. Uh, uh, it's starting to come right now. Yeah. starting to come right now. It's starting to come right now. Yeah, it's there. Yeah, I know. I, I just saw it in the spirit. Yeah, hearing coming out your hearing's coming in your right ear right now. Thank the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. Uh, all right. Uh, Philippians chapter 2 and verse 9. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, that is Jesus, and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. God has exalted Jesus and given him a name which is above every name named in heaven and earth. You name any name. You name the name of fear. You name the name of cancer, heart disease, blood pressure, hypertension, mental distress, financial problems, family problems, marriage problems, problems that have problems. And the name of Jesus is higher. He has been given a name which is above every name named in heaven and earth. And at that name, every knee should bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Can you say Lord? Lord. To the glory of God the Father. Now, Jesus gathered his disciples together one night and said to them, before now, You have asked nothing in my name. What was he saying? He was saying, you have seen me ask the Father. You've heard me say that my Father and I are one. You've heard me say things like, uh, I know you hear me when I pray. You've seen me do things in the name of my Father, but now I am giving you my name. And the right 
to use my name. I'm giving you the power of attorney to use my name. On January the 11th, 1980, 41 years ago, I married Lindsay. She was Lindsay Salem from Flint, actually Flushing, Michigan, a suburb outside of Flint, and she became Mrs. Richard Roberts. I gave her my name. And very quickly, she learned how to use it on checks and on credit cards. She learned how to use my name so that wherever I was in the world, she could use my name and it was just like I was standing there with her. I gave her that right. I gave her the power of attorney to use my name. And if I know her right now, she's back in Tulsa using my name. That's what Jesus has done for us. He's given us his name. There is no power on earth greater than the name of Jesus. That's the name that Peter and John used when they were going to the temple that night. And they passed that man who had been carried there every day since his birth. And Peter said, such as I have, I give unto you in the name of Jesus. Rise up and walk. The Bible says that the man leaped to his feet and rejoicing went into the temple with them. Now, it made the religious leaders mad. Someone is always going to get mad about a miracle. And they threatened them and they said, don't teach or preach in this name again. The devil is not worried about what you do in your life as long as you leave the name of Jesus out of it. But when you bring in the name of Jesus, sickness and disease begin to pack their bags and leave town. Fear begins to go because God has not given it to you. They use the name of Jesus and they said, don't teach or preach in this name ever again. Peter said, whether whether it's right to listen to you or listen to God, you you be the judge. But for us, we're going to speak uh, the things which we have seen and heard. And they had holy boldness and they spoke in the authority of Jesus' name. These things that have happened here these few days in Clarksville are are not because of me. They're because of his name. What I have done, I have done in the name of Jesus. The name of Richard Roberts is not going to get you healed. The name of Richard Roberts is not going to get you saved. The name of Richard Roberts is not going to get you delivered. But in the name of Jesus. And when I speak that name, there's a power that surges through me. And it comes up into my chest and it comes up my throat and it comes up out of my voice. So that when I speak, there is an authority. Yes that comes out. and People say, what's that I feel? That's that surge of anointing, that power. It's not my power, it's his power. But it flows through us who believe and who use his name. I believe in using the name of Jesus. For God has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name named in heaven and earth. And if that name, every knee should bow, And every tongue confess 
Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. I was preaching one night in northern Nigeria and uh, it was a Muslim city and the Muslim clerics asked me if I would have a debate with them on live television. They would take the side of the Muslim faith and I would take the side of the Christian faith. And I accepted and said to the Lord, what do you want me to do? Because I am not a critical person. I don't come against people. I believe you get more flies with honey than you do with vinegar. And I, 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 don't, I don't have a critical spirit. I, I, don't, I, I don't come against people and tell them they're going to hell. I just don't do that. I want them to go the other direction. So I said to the Lord, what should I do? And, and the Lord said, just use the name of Jesus. And so every time they would ask me a question, I would take their question and I would turn it around so that I could use the name of Jesus. And they asked me every question in the book and I didn't ask them any questions, they just asked me questions and I just kept talking about the name of Jesus and the miracles that I had seen happen by his name. And uh, it was as friendly as it could possibly be and I invited them all out to the crusade which started the next night. And the, the first night of the crusade, I guess we probably had maybe 10, 12, maybe 15,000 people who came out on this big, large field, like a, like, a, like a soccer field, you know, like a gym field outside. And we had the platform out there in the middle, and I was standing up on the platform. There were a group of people under the platform that were interceding, praying. You know, I'd hear them underneath my feet praying. I like that. And uh, the next night, first, first, first of all, the first night there were a lot of miracles, a lot of healings. And uh, the second night, God gave me a word of knowledge concerning someone who was crippled. I didn't know who it was. But I knew that there was someone there that was crippled and had been carried there and couldn't walk. And I gave that word and then I prayed in Jesus' name for a healing. And I went and prayed for others and in a little while, a young man came through the crowd and the people began to jump and shout and cheer and I didn't know why. And he came to the platform and they, they brought him up on the platform and he would run across the platform and he would jump and then he would squat down and jump back up again and the crowd was just going wild. And I said to my interpreter, uh, they, they were interpreting me in the Hausa language is what they speak up in northern Nigeria. And uh, I, I said, what's going on? He said, you don't understand. This young man has never taken a step in his life. He was about 20 years of age. He had never walked his parents carried him to the post office each morning where he begged for money. And he would pull himself along the ground by putting uh, uh, cut up Coca-Cola cans on his hands. And he'd pull himself along the ground by putting his fist in these half Coca-Cola cans that he had, he had smoothed down so it wouldn't cut him. Everyone knew him as the beggar of Jos. And earlier in the evening, there was a University of Jos professor who had come to mock me. And he was standing in front, you know, with his arms folded like this. And whenever I said something, he'd shake his head or he'd spit on the ground. And, and he, he just was mocking me the whole evening. And I, I didn't pay attention to him. He just doing whatever he was doing. And, uh, but he saw this young man walking. And he had put money in his cup so many times. And he looked up and said, what must I do to get saved? And I led him, I led that professor to the Lord that night. 
and uh, the newspapers uh, reporters were there and they came up on the platform and they interviewed this young man and the next morning it was the main story on the front page of the newspaper beggar of Jos healed and the next night was the third night which was the last night of the crusade and the next night by police estimate 100,000 people came to hear the message and to receive the prayer of faith. And 25,000, by police estimate, Muslims came and gave their heart to the Lord. In one service. Now, how did that happen? It happened because of the name of Jesus. Because God has highly exalted him, Jack, and given him a name which is above every name. His name is above every name named in heaven and earth. I was preaching in Ghana. You remember I told you the story about uh, being with President Rawlings and how his hand was bigger than mine and he wouldn't let my hand go. I told you the story the other day. Well, on that, on that trip, uh, we, were, we were having about 30 to 40,000 people every night in the crusade. And there was a woman who had come for prayer and she had been born with one breast. And she asked me to pray that God would create a second breast. Everyone in the crowd knew her except me. And so I prayed in the authority of Jesus' name. And there was a commotion in the crowd. And she came up on the platform and she was talking to several of the pastors and the pastors came to me and said, Brother Roberts, God has created a second breast. Come on. It happens. And I said, how do you know? And the woman walked to the center of the stage and took her dress and lifted it for the whole crowd to see. Oh my God. It was unmistakable. <laughs> I didn't know what to say. I, I, I didn't know what to do. I, uh, oh, God, oh, stained glass windows, oh, Bible, oh, oh, Austin P. Governors. I didn't know what to say. I'm telling you, I saw it with my own eyes. Uh, but it happened because of the name of Jesus. I was in Niger, which is a French-speaking country at the lower end of the Sahara Desert. It is known as the hottest and poorest country in the world, even poorer than Haiti. And I was invited to come. No one had ever been allowed to have an evangelistic healing crusade in that nation because it's 99% Muslim. And they would not allow, Reinhard Bunke, who just went home to be with yep, the Lord yep, recently, right. Reinhard Bunke had tried for 30 years to get in. They would not let him in. Wow. And so God gave me a strategy to get into the country because he said to me, I'm going to send you to Niger. And I said, well, Lord, it's going to be interesting to see because no one's ever been able to get in. And so we put together a team of doctors and nurses and medicines and vitamins and food. And we applied and the government let me in. 
and uh, we went in and we had medical clinics and we did surgeries and we had thousands of people each day that were seen by the doctors and the nurses and given food. Each family was given food and, and also given medicines and given vitamins and I think they did some 40 cataract surgeries while we were there and, uh, and we had a tremendous time and, and the president invited me uh, to come uh, to his office, which I did, and uh, spent about 10 or 15 minutes with him in his office and uh, in, with a French interpreter and uh, had my whole team with me in his office and he dismissed my team and asked me to stay and sent the interpreter out of the room. And I thought, well, this will be interesting because I don't speak French. Uh, he started speaking in perfect English. <laughs> Sneaky. And uh, he said, Dr. Roberts, my wife has had a stroke. Would you go to my home? and go into her bedroom and lay hands on her and pray for God to heal her. And I did. I went to the home of the president and laid hands on his wife and his daughter. And uh, it was a wonderful experience. The next day we were driving through town getting ready for the crusade which began the next night. And uh, I heard the, uh, the Muslim mullahs on their loudspeaker systems. And I heard them talking and as they were talking in their language, uh, not French, but in their native language, uh, all of a sudden I would hear my name mentioned. They'd say a line and then I'd hear Richard Roberts and I wanted to know what they were saying. And so I said to my interpreter who was in the car with me, what are they saying? And he said, they are saying to the people, do not go to the Richard Roberts healing crusade because there will be no miracles. And I began to laugh because I knew that wasn't so. I knew what was going to happen that night, that God had sovereignly spoken to me to go to Niger and that there would be great miracles. At that time, there were only 5,000 known Christians in the country, a nation of 12 million people. And uh, so we went to the service that night and that first night, there were seven blind people that were healed. And the mulas shut up. And the next night, there were a number of deaf people that were healed. And cripples were healed, and other kinds of miracles began to happen. And the crowd grew each night. And that week, I led 35,000 people in the sinner's prayer to give their hearts to Jesus. Now, how did it happen? It happened because of Jesus' name. That's the door opener. When you pray, you pray in the name of Jesus. That's the name that causes the forces of hell to tremble. Use the name of Jesus. You have the authority. You say, well, that name was only given to the disciples. Well, I have news. The book of John says if you continue in his word, then you are his disciple. Now, you're not one of the 12, but you're one of the millions. So you have every right to use that name, praise, praise God. God. Uh, turn over now to Philippians chapter three. Philippians chapter three, that's the end of sermon number one now, okay? I'm just, I'm just, I'm just getting warmed up now. Don't take that off Come my on. time. I'm just getting out of my introduction now, okay? You, you're, you're with me now? I'm just getting started, okay? So this is my last night while I'm here this time and I just gotta have both barrels firing at you. Amen. All right, Philippians chapter three, and let's look at verses 13 and 14. Are you ready? Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, 
I don't consider myself to have arrived. But this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Now, these words were written by the Apostle Paul while he was in prison. He was in a little two-by-four jail cell in Rome, writing to the church at Philippi. This is the same group to whom he said, "Uh, my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And we'll get to that in a little while tonight. Paul said this. Paul had a past. I'm looking at some folks who have a past. Don't be looking at your neighbor. You know I'm looking at you. Everybody has a past. Everybody's riding with a secret. Most people don't know it. Paul had a past. He had stood by and held the cloaks or coats of, of, uh, of those who stoned Stephen to death. So he was an accessory to murder. And if he had been in the court system today, he would have gone to prison because he was an accessory to murder. And he was on the way to Damascus with letters from the chief priests to legalize murder. He was on his way to persecute and, if possible, kill the Christians. And uh, on his way, he was knocked to the ground by a light. And a voice from heaven said, Saul, he was known as Saul in those days, Saul of Tarsus. His name was later changed uh, to Paul because he was a citizen of Rome. And Paul was was the Roman version of the name Saul. But in those days, they called him Saul. And the voice from heaven said, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul replied, who are you, Lord? And the voice replied, I am Jesus. I'm the one that you're persecuting. And he was told to get up and go into the city to a certain street, to a certain house, to a certain man named Ananias. And there Ananias would pray for him. And when he tried to get up, he had been blinded. He couldn't see. No doubt had to be led into the city and went to a street called Straight Street into a home where a man by the name of Ananias met him and threw out his arms and said, Brother Saul. Now, no doubt Ananias was one of the chief leaders of the Christians in Damascus and perhaps was on Saul's hit list. Isn't it amazing? And uh, he put out his arms and said, Brother Saul, laid his hands on him and prayed. And the the Bible says in in the King James, the scales of his eyes fell off. In other words, he could see again. And the, 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 they, they took him by night and put him in a basket and, laid, and lifted him up over the side of the wall because those who had assigned the warrants to, to help him persecute the Christians now wanted to kill him. The persecutor became the persecuted. And he escaped by night. And they had no idea how great a man they had on the end of that rope. They didn't know that he would honeycomb the land preaching the gospel and make every street corner his chapel and every back alley his church. They didn't know that he would even lamp the light of the gospel in the house of Caesar. They didn't know. All they knew was once he was against them and now he's for them. And uh, a number of years passed as Saul had a maturation time maturing in, in in his life and he was baptized in the Holy Spirit. And thank God, thank God for that. And Paul had a past 
and I'm sure it was difficult for him to live with. But he said, I forget those things that are in the past. I give them to God. One of the great obstacles to, to healing is people have not forgiven themselves. And they've not given the past to God. Everybody has something in the past that you regret or you, or you wish hadn't happened or, or it, has, it has stopped you in some way and you have perhaps parked by your failure. Remember David said, yea, though I walk through the valley. He didn't park in it. Many of you have had failures in their life and, and you think that somehow has disqualified you for being a child of God. That's a lie that Satan has tried to perpetrate on people. Don't fall for that lie. Don't fall for that falsehood because you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You were made just a little bit lower than the angels. Greater is he who's in you than he that is in the world. You're worth the price that Jesus paid. You're a VIP to God. Some of you, however, have a little problem with your past. You think God can't use you. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Everybody has a past. You know, when Jesus forgave that woman who had been married a number of times and was living with a man she wasn't married with, he forgave her. You know, immediately she had a past. You know, the woman who was caught in adultery and was forgiven, she had a past. But he said, forget, I forget those things that are behind me. I put them in the past. There's not anything you can do with your past except give it to God. Come on. You know, the good news is when you give it to him, he doesn't give it back. That's right. Forget those things that are behind. Sure, you make mistakes. Sure, you have problems. Sometimes you even wind up committing sin without even realizing it. But thank God you can repent. And he said in 1 John 1, 9, if you confess your sin, he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sin and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Thank God he's the God of a second chance. Turn to your neighbor and say, he's the God of a second chance. He said, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching out. It's not just about forgetting. That's only half a loaf. Then reaching out because God has a future for you. He has a future for you. Forget that which is behind and reach out toward that which is ahead which is the prize. There's a prize. Come on. When runners run distance running or short-term running, they don't look at the ground. They look at the finish line. Amen. Look at the prize. Yeah. And it's not how you start. It's how you finish. Yeah. I don't know about you, but I'm going to finish my course. Yeah. I'm going to run the race all the way through. And you notice the runners run all the way through the finish line. They don't quit the last step and they'll put out their head and their chest to get through that line. Come on. Running all the way through. That's a picture of us. Forgetting the past and reaching forth unto God's future. God has a future for you. The Bible tells us in Jeremiah, his plan for you is good. It's a good plan. Why? Because he's a good God. He's a good God. Say that with me. God is a good God. Say it out loud. God is a good God. Say this. The devil is a bad devil. And God is a good God. God. Say this, he's for me. He's He's not against me. me. 
He knows who I am. He knows where I live. He knows what I'm going through. And he has a miracle for me. Now give him a shout of praise tonight. Hallelujah. 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 Valerie, that's sermon number two. Huh? Oh. <laughs> Did you get the interpretation? <laughs> oh, glory to God. Are you glad you came to church tonight? Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm kind of having a good time tonight. <clears throat> I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm doing what I call freewheeling, okay? Because I have no idea what I'm going to do next. <clears throat> and you know, it's so much fun when that happens. When you have no idea what you're going to do, you have to depend totally on God. And you make a bunch of notes, you don't pay any attention to them. <laughs> I was preaching in Kenya. My dad had uh, passed away and he had prophesied over me before he died. He said, uh, your next crusade will be twice as large as the crusade I had when I was in that nation. And the next nation I was going to was Kenya. This was back in 2009. He died in December of 2009. And in, in January of 2010, I was scheduled to be in Nairobi, which is the capital of Kenya. And uh, my dad had had a crusade there the year that I got saved in 68. I wasn't with him because I was not yet born again. Uh, after that, I was with him wherever he went. But he went on that crusade without me because I was not yet a Christian. And he had had 100,000 people on the last day. And uh, he said to me, son, when you get to your next crusade, you will have twice as many people as I had when I was in that nation. And uh, I had asked him over the years for a double portion of his spirit. I wanted a double portion of the spirit of my father on me. Yes. Because he had prophesied that uh, when I was 19, and I wanted that and all through my life. I had I said, Dad, I want a double portion of your spirit. And he would always, it was so funny, he would always say to me what Elijah said to Elisha when Elisha asked for a double portion. He always would say, well, son, you've asked a hard thing, but if you see me when I go, you'll have it. Well, I knew what he meant. He wasn't talking about physically. He was talking about keeping my eyes on Jesus. Yeah. My dad taught me that as long as you can see Jesus over my shoulder, then follow me, okay? That's the loose-knit translation of follow me as I follow Christ, okay? As long as you can see Jesus over my shoulder, he said, son, follow me. And he said, your next crusade will be twice as big as the one I had. Well, after he went home to be with the Lord, I knew what he was talking about, and the next was Kenya, and when I got there, uh, the, the first night was only about 30,000 or so, which is a pretty good-sized crowd, by the yeah. way. And the next night was maybe 40,000. I thought, well, Lord, how's it going to go from 40,000 to 200,000? But you know, the third night, by the police estimate, there were 200,000-plus people that came to that crusade. It was a miracle. And healings, oh, my goodness. I'd say it in my language. Healings out the wazoo. I mean, there were healings everywhere. Uh -huh. Praise God for that. Uh, let's take just a moment now and shift gears, okay? Talked about shifting gears last night, how my grandfather on my mother's side taught me how to drive a 1954 Pontiac with three on the tree, okay? And when you need to go a little faster, you shift it to the next gear. Let's, let's shift for a moment right now because wherever I go, 
you'll find, and whenever wherever you're with me or I'm with you, you'll find that I always focus on healing, the Holy Spirit, and seed faith. And I've talked about all of those during these days since I've been here. And I want to go back and go over some territory again. You notice that in the, in the sports world, they, they have training camps right. every year. And they go back to basics. Yes. It's always good to go back and remember and go back and check out the basics so that you know you're on the right track. The, yes. N- the NFL, which is getting ready to have their draft, yep. I think at the end of this month, yep. they will have a basic training camp yep. before, their, uh, before their season begins. Yes. And they go back through basics, things that they learned when they played peewee football and, yep. and, uh, uh, and, and high school football and college football, okay? They go back to basics. So let's go back to basics for a moment with the Holy Spirit, Come okay? On. Now, you might want to get a pen and paper. Just a little refresher course tonight, okay? Um, all through the Old Testament, you find the operation of the Holy Spirit. But in those days, in the Old Testament days, the Holy Spirit would come upon men. The Holy Spirit came upon uh, uh, Daniel. The Holy Spirit came upon David. The Holy Spirit came upon Saul. The Holy Spirit came on Deborah. The Holy Spirit came on Mary and overshadowed her. It may be in the New Testament, but that's almost like Old Testament because it's Old Covenant. So the Holy Spirit came on people. But it's different in New Testament days. New Testament days, the Holy Spirit does not come upon you. The Holy Spirit comes in you. Picture the scene. Jesus was standing one day over by the temple. And it was the last great day of the feast. I believe it's John chapter 5. I I think that's correct. And uh, the people were rejoicing. And they were dancing in the street. It's what they did on the last great day of the feast. And the Jewish historians teach that on that last day of the feast, the priests of the temple would come out and they would take large barrels of water and they would spill the barrels of water down the steps of the temple and the water would run into the street and the people in their exuberance would dance before the Lord in the water. That's what went on on that last great day. Jesus was standing there with his disciples and he looked and saw what was happening and he said to them, you, in essence, I'm going to paraphrase now, you think that water is something that they're dancing in. Out of your belly is going to flow rivers of living water. Notice he said out of your belly. He didn't say out of your stomach. He said out of your belly, in other words, out of your solar plexus area where you feel things. When you feel things in the natural, you don't feel them in your head. You don't feel them in your chest. You feel it right here. When you feel joy, you feel it here. When you feel sad, you feel it here. He said out of your solar plexus area, Out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. And the Bible says he was speaking of the Holy Spirit, which had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet gone to the cross to cut a new covenant in his shed blood. 
and have his back bloodied and striped for your healing and mine. The scripture says he had not yet been glorified. He had not yet risen from the dead. He had not yet ascended to the Father. So he was giving a, a, a precursor, we might say, view of what was about to happen. And he talked about the Holy Spirit. He, he would say to his disciples, I'm going away, but it's better for you if I go away because if I don't go away, the comforter, who is the Holy Spirit, yes. not which is, but who is, because yes. the Holy Spirit's a person. That's right. The comforter, he cannot come. He said, it's better for you. Now, you see, Jesus in his human form was limited to time and space. Yes, right. He could only be one place at a time. He couldn't be in Jerusalem and Capernaum at the same time. He was limited to time and space like you and I are in the natural. Yes. But he was saying the Holy Spirit, the divine paraclete, will be unlimited so he can be in you and he can be in me at the same time. Yeah. And Jesus rose from the dead and stood on the Mount of Olives and had a message for those followers, who, some of whom had forsaken him and fled and now had come back, and he told them what to do. He said, go to an upper room and tarry. Well, what does tarry mean? Wait. And the Bible says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were in one accord. Now, if they were a bunch of typical church people, I don't know how long it would have taken them to come together in one accord. Because we church folk have a hard time agreeing with one another. And we split doctrines over the stupidest little things. If you don't believe the way I believe, then I cast you out. And you don't believe what I believe, then I cast you out. I mean, you know, we can be some of the stupidest people on earth. Come on. Look straight ahead. Don't look to your left or right. He said, I want you to come into one accord, tarry or, or wait until you come into one accord. And I don't know how long it took, but, but there, was a, there was a time when they must have come together in agreement because there was a sound of a rushing mighty wind. And there appeared above their heads, as it were, tongues of fire. And they all began to speak in tongues as the Holy Spirit gave them utterance. All they did was speak in tongues. They were not interpreting. They just spoke in tongues because that's what the Bible says. And when they came out of that room, there were a number of people, thousands, that had gathered there for that great holiday. And Peter preached a message. About a three-minute message. Yep. And about 3,000 people got saved because of it. Because Peter told them that you needed to repent, and, and they did. And the church was born. Yes, it was. And the Holy Spirit was poured out. Now, that's the first time in history that the Holy Spirit entered into people. Come on. In the Old Testament, he came upon them. Yes. Yep. The Spirit of God came upon Jonah to yes. preach in Nineveh. The Spirit of God came upon Samson to defeat the Philistines. Now the Holy Spirit had come in them. All right. It took the Apostle Paul, however, to teach us, to take us to basic training on the Holy Spirit. 
And I'm saying this tonight because I have, I have demonstrated and, and had you join me in praying in tongues and praying with the understanding also. But I want to give you the basic training background, okay? Uh, Paul gave us the teaching. If you read in 1 Corinthians, he said, when you pray in tongues, you are praying the mysteries of God. You do not know what you're saying. Only the Holy Spirit knows. You feel better when you pray in tongues. You are edified, but you don't have information to go along with it. And we have to have information. It's not just a feel-good experience, which is the way it has been taught historically in many churches. They've taught that it's a like a red badge of courage that people wear on their chest. Look at me. I have spoken in tongues as if I have arrived. Well, just because you speak in tongues isn't going to make you any smarter. Not going to make you any more brilliant or give you any more information or insight. It's not the speaking in tongues. It's what is to follow that gives you the information. Now, notice this. The Bible says in Romans that the spirit comes into every born every born again believer. When you got saved, the Holy Spirit came in and took up residence in your heart. Okay? The, the moment you were born again, me, it was when I was, I was 19. The moment I got saved, the Holy Spirit came in and took up residence in my heart. Therefore, I don't have to go and get the Holy Spirit. Got him. And that was a teaching, and you know it as well as I do. It went through the Pentecostal world all through those years when I was a boy. You had to tarry. You had to wait. And and you 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 shook them, you rolled them, you did whatever, you know, you 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 laid on the floor, you 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 cried, come in, you cried, come on, you 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 did all kinds of things, because that's that's what people were taught. But that's not what the Bible says. When you got saved, the Holy Spirit instantaneously came in and bore witness with your spirit that you're a child of God. Amen. You can't get saved without the Holy Spirit coming in. Amen. So every born-again believer has the Holy Spirit. Yes. So when someone says, when did you get the Holy Ghost? You say, when I was born again. Amen. You don't have to go get somebody that you've already got. Okay, so that dispels that old-time teaching that was around for so many, many years. Okay, and that's the one reason why so many evangelicals think that we who are Pentecostals and Charismatics are nuts. Because they know the Bible. They may not be Charismatic, but they know the Scripture. They know the Bible says that, that you can't get saved without the Holy Spirit coming in. They know it. But we Pentecostals have said things like, well, when did you get the Holy Ghost? Well, that's not scriptural. That's not what the Bible says. Okay. Well, begs the question, if the Holy Spirit is in me and in you as a Christian, then what's he doing? Romans chapter 8 tells us he's interceding. Well, what's intercession? Prayer. He's praying. He's in you. He's in me. He is praying seven days a week, 24 hours a day, praying in a direct, straight-line prayer to God. He not only knows what's deep in your heart, 
that's buried way deep down in the recesses, way down there, way down on the inside of you. He knows everything you feel. He knows every hurt. He knows everything that's inside you. He not only knows that, but he also knows the mind and will of the Father. And he is taking what's inside of you and he is taking it to the Father seven days a week, 24 hours a day in a straight line prayer to God. And you and I, by an act of our will, can tap in to that prayer. And we not only can pray in tongues, but then we can stop and pray in English and begin to get understanding, new ideas, concepts, insights, ways of doing things like we've never known before, and we get special information from God. And that's the other side. That's the other half of the loaf. It's not just praying in tongues. It's stopping and praying in English after you pray in tongues so that you get information. Paul said it this way, what will I do? I will pray in the spirit and I will pray with the understanding also. That means I'll pray in tongues and I'll pray in my own language too. And I'll get information. Now, my friends, I, I don't know that I can say anything more important to you tonight. I'm not that smart. Yes, I have a college education. Yes, I got my bachelor's degree. Yes, I earned a master's degree. Yes, I earned a doctorate degree. But I'm not that smart. I'm not smart enough to know what to do. I've got to have the Holy Spirit. Yes. And I've got to have him active in my life every day. That's why when I roll out of bed in the morning, I start praying in tongues. And then I start praying in English. And all throughout the day, most people will never hear me because I'm not doing it for show. I'm praying quietly. People don't know what I'm doing. I'm not going to advertise it. I'm not going to stand on the corner and yell, I pray in tongues. I'm not going to do that. Most of the time, you'll never know I'm praying in tongues. I came in here tonight praying in tongues as you all were worshiping, you know. You didn't know it. I wasn't doing it for you. Doing it for me. Because I need help. Paul said we don't know what to pray for as we ought. And you know as well as I do, there are times when you pray in English and nothing happens. Seems like your words just bounce off the ceiling and hit you back in the face. How many times have I faced that? And how many times have you faced that? But when you pray in tongues and then you stop and you pray in English, something supernatural happens. And you'll find one of two things invariably will happen. You'll either find that you're saying in English what you've been wanting to say and you didn't know how. Or you'll begin to get God's response to you. And suddenly you begin to see things like you've never seen before. Now, that's the value of the Holy Spirit. If there's no value in the Holy Spirit, then why do I want to pay attention? I've got to have value. We live in a world where people look at the bottom line. What's the value? You know, what's this going to, how's this going to help me? Okay, that's how. That's why he's called the divine paraclete, which means the one called alongside to help. Not only to be with us, but to be in us. Yes. The world can't do it. That's right. 
The world can't pray in tongues. And they certainly can't pray with the understanding. Only those of us who are born again can do it. Praise God. Let's just begin to pray in tongues right now, everybody. Begin to pray in tongues. Just get a just get a start. If you if you've not done it regularly, just start tonight. That's the edifying coming up. That's that that making making it feel good inside you. But then when you stop and pray in English, see after you pray in tongues, you pray in English, and that's what makes the difference. You know, if I if I could only preach one message, that might be the one that I preached to help more Christians understand power that they have in the Holy Spirit. I used to travel with Catherine Kuhlman. Many of you know who I'm talking oh, yeah. about. Powerful woman of God. And I was with her so many times. She would call me and I would fly to wherever she was and I would sing in her services. And you remember Dino who played the piano. Yep. Dino would play the piano for me. Yep. And for Jimmy McDonald who would sing. And, and she spent a lot of time praying in tongues praying with the understanding and she would say I don't know what to do without praying in tongues and praying with my own language and uh, my father Oral Roberts prayed in tongues and prayed with the understanding and my mother did it and they, they taught me that when I came to the Lord they, they taught me and on the night that I was saved I was also baptized in the Holy Spirit I began to pray in tongues for the first time that same day that I got saved and some thought well you have to wait a while you know but no you don't have to wait because once he comes in you, he's there. <laughs> he's not going to go out and take the night off and come back. He's there. That's right. He's there. Can you say praise God? Praise God. Hallelujah. Now, uh, what's that? The sermon number five? I think that's number five. I'm, 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 I'm just getting started now. I'm getting through my introduction come now, on. okay? Because uh, I only got tonight, you know. I'm, right. I'm, I'm going home in the morning. Lindsay said, I can't stay any longer than that, okay? She said, I got to come back home. We got some, I got some things to do this week at home. And I got to get prepared for other trips that I've got coming up. I've got to go to uh, Birmingham, Alabama, and I've got to go up to Minneapolis, and I've got to go uh, out to California, and I've got to go to West Africa, and I've got to go to India, and I've got, I got television to do, and I've got a lot of things to do, but I've got to make a deposit in your life Amen. before I leave here, okay? Um, <clears throat> the Apostle Paul gathered um, the book of Acts, the end of the book of Acts. Uh, he gathered the men of Ephesus together, and he said, You'll see my face again no more forever. At that time, Paul, who was on his way to Rome, uh, excuse me, to Jerusalem, believed that he would be martyred. They believed he, he believed he would be killed. And so he said that he, actually he was not killed and he did see them again. But at that time, he didn't believe that he would. And he said, brethren, I, uh, I commend you. He said, I commend you to God and also to the word of God of his grace which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among them which are sanctified and that's what I'm trying and endeavoring to do while I'm here in Clarksville because we may see each other again we may not I don't know that's not my agenda okay God is in charge of that agenda so I have a responsibility of commending you to God and to the word of his grace, which is the Bible. Because yes. heaven and earth will pass away, but God's word will not pass away. Amen. Now open your Bibles uh, to Hebrews 
chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. And if you, if you are a husband and wife and you're wondering about who should make the coffee, it should be him. Because the Bible says he brews. I do. Make the coffee, don't I? That's right. He brews. I'm just saying. You didn't know that? We do. It's like somebody the other day trying to tell me that Nehi Amiah was the shortest man in the Bible. Well, Nehi Amiah was not the shortest man in the Bible. And neither was Bildad the Shuhite. Well, you just got that, didn't you? Bildad the Shuhite was not the smallest man in the Bible. In case you, you want to know, the shortest man in the Bible was the man who slept on his watch. You're slow, I'll give you a minute. The man who slept on his watch. Now that's a small man who can sleep on his watch. You are worth waiting on, I guess. You didn't know these things in the Bible? You didn't know there were motorcycles in the Bible? Joshua's triumph was heard throughout the land. Baseball in the beginning. There were, there were Plymouths. Plymouths too. Adam and Eve were driven out of the garden in a fury. You didn't know that? And you didn't know that Noah was the world's greatest businessman? He floated a new venture while the entire world was in total liquidation. <laughs> oh, you got that one, huh? The other one before, you didn't get it all. Mercy. Mercy, mercy, mercy. What did I say? Hebrews 11? You said Hebrews. I said Hebrews. Hebrews 11. Hebrews. Where is Hebrews? Hebrews is over to my right. Page 1523? No, it's not. It's, it's page 1762. <laughs> Actually, no, it's not. It's page 1760. <laughs> okay. Now faith, everybody say now faith. now faith. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence or proof of things not seen. Let's talk about faith for just a few minutes and I'll wrap this message up in the next two or three hours, okay? Come on. Uh, we got it. Faith has substance. Yes, it does. Okay, now I've talked about the Holy Spirit tonight, uh, and now I'm moving over into the realm to help you believe for the miracles that you need, okay? And I want to get to uh, something else a little bit later on tonight because I'm, I'm trying to get, I'm trying to pour everything that's in me tonight on you, okay? Come on. I'm just going to splatter it out on you, okay? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, for by it the elders obtained a good report. Now look at verse four. By faith, Abel 
Verse 5, by faith, Enoch. Verse 7, by faith, Noah. Now go on down to uh, verse, uh, let's see, verse 17. By faith, Abraham. Uh, uh, Verse... um, Verse 20, by faith, Isaac. Then look at 21, by faith, Jacob. Then look at verse 22, by faith, Joseph. Look at 23, by faith, Moses. And look down at verse 32, and what more shall I say? Are you getting the message of how important faith is? He's showing you these who we call great men of faith our great heroes. He's showing you that what they did, they did by faith. And he's saying, what more shall I say? How many more proofs do I have to give you until you believe it? Come on. Now get your pen and paper out. I'm gonna give you some notes tonight. I wrote some things down in my hotel room. I wrote down this, the distance between the question and the answer is your faith. Your faith is the investment to bring the answer. So, if that's true, and I believe it is, what are you believing for? Is your mouth in agreement with what you're believing for? Jesus and his disciples were headed into Jericho, and Jesus was hungry, saw a fig tree, He went over to see if there was fruit on it and it was bare. There was nothing because the scripture says it was not yet the season. Jesus cursed the tree. He wasn't mad at the tree, but he cursed it in order to give the disciples a lesson. Nothing seemed to happen on the outside when he cursed it, but something was happening on the inside. And they went on in, they came back the next day and the tree had withered up from the roots. And Peter said, look, Jesus, look, master, the tree you cursed yesterday has withered up from the roots. And Jesus said, have faith in God. Yes. For verily I say unto you, whosoever shall say unto this mountain, this problem, this need, whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Are you saying what you have or are you say are you having what you say? All right. Your faith has got to get up into your mouth. Okay? And you have faith. And I hear people say, "Well, Richard, I don't have much faith." Well, that's a lie. You have the measure of faith. You have no more faith than I have and I have no more faith than you have because God has given to every person the measure not a measure, but the measure. You have all the faith that you need. Now, you may not be using your faith, but you have it to use. You have an arm which has strength, but if you put it in a sling and you don't use it, it will atrophy and you won't be able to use it. You've got to use your arm every day. Last night, I went to sleep, apparently, and I went to sleep on my arm. Have you ever done that? And I woke up and I, I couldn't move my arm. In the natural, we'd say, well, my arm went to sleep. Well, your arm didn't go to sleep. The blood was going the other direction from the direction it's supposed to go. But I couldn't move my arm. I had to reach over and take my, you've had to do it. I had to do, you know what I mean? And then I had to to shake it out, you know, until I get some blood back in it, okay? Well, that's that's how a lot of people operate their faith. They've been sleeping on it. Are you been sleeping on your faith? 
You have it. Man said to me, I got all the faith in the world. I said, well, brother, that's your problem. You still got it. Faith was meant to be used. If you didn't have faith, you wouldn't sit in that chair. If you didn't believe that the pastor bought sturdy chairs that would hold your weight, you wouldn't sit on it. You use your faith to drive over here tonight. If you came on 24, you had to use your faith. Some of those Tennessee drivers are crazier than a, you know what? You got no corner on it. We got some crazy ones in Oklahoma too. You know. <laughs> Driving the other day in a traffic jam and this guy rolled out his window and I heard him yell at a guy over there. He said, go to hell. And I said, no, tell him to go to heaven. <laughs> you know, why not? The guy cut me off on the interstate the other day. I opened my window and said, go to heaven. Well, I don't want him to go to hell. You know. I want him to go to heaven. So I yelled at him, go to heaven. I know, you don't know what to think of me. I know that. But you got faith. But you got to be used. Right. Faith was not meant to lie dormant That's right. in your heart. Well, it, 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 uh, it, it, it wasn't dead yesterday, Jesus, but now it's dead. Yep. Well, you could use the power of your words because God created everything that you can see from what you cannot see with his words. And you and I have that same creative ability. Who, me, yes, you. And you have not because you ask not. Well, who, little old me, I'm just a worm. I'm nobody special. Nobody cares about me. I think I'll go out in the garden and just eat dirt. Well, that's the way a lot of Christians feel. Yeah. You know, and, and if God will keep you humble, people will keep you poor. Right. You know, that's, 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 get out of that stuff. Yes, please. Get out of it. God wants you to prosper. Yes. He said in 3 John 2, Beloved, I wish above all things that you prosper yes. and be in health even as your soul prospers. You're somebody. Yes. You're not an accident going off somewhere to happen. God cares about you. He knows who you are. He knows where you live. He knows what you're going through. He knows what you've been hiding. <laughs> he knows it all. And he still loves you. Jesus said, have faith in God. For verily I say unto you, whatever you say, if you believe and you refuse to doubt in your heart, you'll have it. And then he said, when you pray, believe that you receive. When do I believe? When you pray. He said, when you pray, believe. When you pray, believe. At the moment you pray, that's when you believe. You don't pray and then say, well, let me wait a few days and I'll see if I can it'll work believing into my schedule. No, you believe when you pray. When yes. you pray, believe. Yes. Jesus said, when you pray, believe. It's an instantaneous act. When you pray, believe. Right in the middle of your praying, that's when you believe. Yep. Right that's yet. when you release your faith and you expect a miracle. You said to me yesterday, I call that house in for a year. Yep. You called it in. You said every day you called yep. it in. Yep. Don't miss a day. Don't miss a day. Call it in. Every day. Calling that which is not as though it is. Yes. Yes. Your faith 
That's how you live. You live four times in the Bible. It says the just shall live by their faith. And in this world that we live in today with all the mess that's going on up in Washington and all the mess going on in states across this nation and everything that's been happening this year, if ever there was a time for us to stand up and use our faith, it's now. Now get your pen. I'm going to give you some things to write down here. Are you ready? Yep. Here are seven things about your faith. And I'm going to donate this to you tonight, okay? For this mama, daddy makes no charge, okay? This is a donation. I'm giving this, Jack. This is yours. This is yours tonight. Number one, faith stretches your imagination. Write that down. Faith stretches your imagination. Can you imagine Walt Disney out in California in the 1950s when he got a vision of Disneyland? He saw it. I don't know if Walt Disney was a Christian or not. I have no idea. But I know he got a vision of a place called Disneyland. He saw it with the eyes of faith, which he was born with, whether he realized it or not. And that not only developed into Disneyland, which I went for the first time to back in the late 1950s, around 1960 or so, the first time I went when I was a little boy because we were living in California at the time. But that developed into Disney World. And Disneyland would fit in the parking lot of Disney World. And and, uh, they have so many Disney things now, okay? That happened because someone had imagination when they saw something. Now there's a spiritual application to that. And that is that we have our faith stretch our imagination. Imagination so we can believe and we can conceive and we can do things that in the natural can't be done. Number two, faith takes the initiative. Faith takes the initiative. God spoke to Abraham and said, take your son, Isaac, the promised son, take him up the mountain and kill him as a sacrifice unto me. Seemingly, what a horrible, horrible thing to do. After God had promised Abraham, you're going to have a son. And it took 25 years for that prophetic word to come to pass because he got the word when he was 75 and the child wasn't born until he was 100. And his wife wife Sarah, 90. Can you imagine the emergency room nurse? (laughs) And a 90-year-old woman came in with pregnant? That's what happened. The midwife or whatever whatever they were in those days. Take him up the mountain and kill him. I want you to notice what Abraham said. He said, we are going up and we are coming down. Faith takes the initiative. Faith takes charge. Abraham took charge. He said, my son and I, we are going up and we are coming down. And you know what happened when they got to the top? There was the place for the sacrifice and there was the wood and there was the rope. And Isaac said to his father, where's the sacrifice? Uh And Abraham said, God will provide. provide. 
and he tied his son on that place and lifted his dagger and was ready to plunge it into his son's heart in order to obey God when the voice of the Lord said, don't do it now that I know you trust me. He turned and looked and saw a ram whose horns were caught in the thicket. I got news for you. God has a ram caught in the thicket for you. God has a ram in the thicket caught for you. Turn to your neighbor and say, God has a ram caught in the thicket for you. That means it's a miracle. He's got a miracle for you. Took that ram, took his son off, put the ram on, sacrificed him, which was a seed. Because in those days, it was a debt you owed. But today, it's no longer a debt you owe. Now, it's a seed that you sow. And we'll get to that in the next message. All right. Number three, faith is not afraid of trying. Faith is not afraid of trying. 1968, my wife's father came down with cancer. He was a Lincoln Mercury dealer in Flint, actually Flushing, Michigan, not too far from Saginaw. Was a great dealer. He was the he was the youngest president of the Young Presidents Organization in the nation, and he had cancer, and was in the University of Michigan Hospital in Ann Arbor. And someone who worked for Mr. Salem knew someone who worked for my father, and made a telephone <coughs> excuse me made a telephone call and prevailed. Can I have a sip of water? Prevailed on uh, on him to ask my. <coughs> excuse me, excuse me, ask my father if he would call and pray for Mr. Salem. Thank you. And my dad made a phone call and prayed for Mr. Salem and led him to the Lord on the telephone. Prayed for his healing. But uh, a few weeks later, Mr. Salem died. And I never got to meet him. Lindsay was 12 years old at the time. And we didn't meet until she was, I think, 23 or 24, until I was 31. So I never got to meet her father. And, and uh, I've always felt a sense of loss that I did not have an opportunity to meet her father because I would very much like to have known him. Uh, I very much would like to have, have met him. And uh, their pastor said to them, why don't you let him die in dignity? But my father was willing to try. Yes. Yes. And I think that's one of the things that many people loved the most about my dad was that he was willing to try. Come on. Not everyone he prayed for was healed, no. but he was willing to try. Not everyone I pray for is healed, but I'm willing to try. I'm willing to give my best because I recognize I am not the healer. But I am willing to try. Faith is willing to try and not afraid to try. But you know what? Her family never forgot the man who prayed. Even though he died, they never forgot. And uh, her mother became a partner with our ministry and began sowing gifts each month into our ministry, having never met us. And uh, years later, she was praying that 
God would send the right husband into the life of her daughter. <laughs> and he did. Come on. 41 years later. Number four, faith is expecting the best. Faith is expecting the best. Not a handout. Not second or third class. Come on. But the best. Faith expects the best. Come on. I don't ask God for a handout when I plant my seed. I expect the best. Come on. I give God my best and then I ask him for his best. Yes. How many of you want his best? Amen. Well, you better start giving him your best. And then expect the best. Number five, faith is waiting on the answer. Faith is waiting on the answer. Sometimes the answer comes quickly, sometimes it doesn't. Why? I don't know why. I'm not in charge of that agenda. I told you before, I'm not in management, I'm in sales. I'm not in charge of God's agenda. He has the timing. Faith is waiting on the answer. One time, Lindsay and I were at home. We were watching Jerry Savelle on television. And Jerry was preaching. And in his message, uh, we were just sitting there on the couch. And Lindsay, or, uh, Jerry said in his message, what do you call the distance between I pray and I believe and I receive? And Lindsay took off her shoe and threw it at the TV and said, you call it hell, Jerry, you call it hell. <laughs> and you know exactly what I mean. But faith is waiting on the answer. And the Bible says, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Yes. They shall mount up with wings as eagles and they shall run and not be weary and walk and not faint. God has the timing. Yes. I've tried telling God what to do. I've tried telling him how to do it. I've tried to tell him who to do it to and when to do it. And he's never done it my way once. He does it his way. Faith is waiting on the answer and continuing to call it in every day. Number six, faith is persistent. Faith is persistent means faith doesn't quit. That's right. Galatians 6, 9, be not weary in your well-doing for you shall reap in due season if you faint not. If you were to have a copy of the Webster's Dictionary and you looked up the word persistent, you would see a picture of my wife. She is the most persistent person that I know. She does not have a give up attitude. She has a bulldog faith Attitude, and when she gets something in her faith teeth, you can just write it down. It's going to happen because she's persistent. She won't let go. She will wear the devil out. Okay. And number seven, faith is rebuilding after a failure and trying again. Faith is rebuilding after failure and trying again. No mistake or failure is as bad as not trying again. Yeah. 
Right. Listen to that. No mistake or failure is as bad as not trying again. I was in a shopping mall and uh, I was walking along and here came a man who was decked out. He had on a white suit with a white shirt and a white tie and he had a white cane and he had on white shoes and he had on a white hat and he was strutting through the mall. Everyone was watching him and he came to the escalator and he started going down the escalator and he was strutting down the escalator when he must have stepped on something and slipped and fell and began to somersault and turn all the way down to the next floor. And I watched him. He got up, put his hat back on and said, well, all right. <laughs> Some of you have slipped and fallen like that too. But you didn't get back up and say, well, all right. I'm going to try again. Years ago, there was a, a, a woman from Nashville who wrote a song for me, and I would sing it on television. And as I was studying this afternoon, the Lord reminded me of that song, and he reminded me of the words of the song, and so I wrote them down to give to you. The song is called Try Again, and here are the words. Try again. So you've fallen down this time, try again. Take a look at where you've come from, where you've been. You're different now. God has changed you somehow. You know it's true. So try again. Don't let failure get the best of you, but try again. God will help you do what you must do to win, to smile, to grin but you'll never really know until you try again. You know, a lot more, you know a lot more now because you've been through a lot. A stranger to pain, you surely are not. You say the road's been rough and you are part to blame, but you're not finished yet. No, you're not through. God see so much good in you so let yet leave yesterday behind and then try again it won't turn out like before so try again don't quit now come on once more this is the chance you've got to take to break away from your mistakes right. try again though the odds may be against you try again and just let hope convince you that you can do it, that you can win if you'll only try again. Faith tries again. Yes, it does. And again, and again, and again, and again. I don't know about you, but I've already made at least one mistake today. <laughs> I may make another one tonight.
because I'm a human being. I slip, I fall, I make mistakes. I have to pick myself up. I have to apologize. I have to repent. And the good news is we can do that. And God gives us a second chance. Doesn't matter to me what somebody else thinks. What matters to me is what God thinks. Now there's one more part of this message that I want to give to you tonight before I take my seat. And that is to say thank you. Not only for the invitation, but for the seed that you have sown into my life this week. In each of these services you have sown into my life. The Apostle Paul apparently taught on the principles of sowing and reaping wherever he went. But it seems like only one group of people got it. And that was the church at Philippi. Because he said to them from that jail cell in Rome, you sent once and again, or in other words, you continually sent unto my necessity. And what was his necessity? His necessity was the gospel. He said, I have all, I abound, I have received from Epaphroditus, the man who brought the offering. And he said that their gift had an odor of a sweet smell. It was a sacrifice acceptable and it was well-pleasing to God. And that's how I feel about you and what you've done. And you did it not because I desire a gift, as Paul said, but Paul said, I desire fruit may abound to your account. And so I set my faith with you that every seed that you have sown into my life since I've been here this week is not only going to be a blessing to me and to my family and to my ministry, but it's going to be multiplied back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. And I believe because of what you've done that I have a right to say what the Apostle Paul said. Are you ready? Here it is. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Can you lift your hands and give praise to God? Let's stand together, please. Lift your voice. Did you not know that I am your provider, your Jehovah Jireh? Did you not know that I am in your midst and I will multiply every seed that you have sown? I will make a way where there is no way. I will make a way in the wilderness. I will make a river in the desert. I pray over you tonight. I pray over each one of you. I pray over you the blessing of Abraham. I pray over you the mind of Christ. I pray over you the spirit of David and the wisdom of Solomon. I pray over you the peace of God which passes all understanding. I pray over you the joy of the Lord which is your strength. I dispatch heavenly angels to encamp about you. You didn't lose your guardian angel because you grew up. I dispatch angels to encamp about you and to keep you safe from harm, from sin, from danger, 
from hijacking, from pilfering, from theft, from terrorism and hijacking. I plead the shed blood of Jesus over you and for you and for myself and my family. I join you in taking on the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, the gospel shoes of peace, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Above all, taking the shield of faith by which we are able to quench the fiery darts of the devil and praising him in the spirit, the seventh piece of the armor. I pray in the spirit over you tonight. And I thank you, Father. I thank you for this great blessing of being here in the midst of everyone tonight and since Sunday morning. I thank you for traveling mercies going back to Tulsa. I thank you that you are guiding that plane safely home. I bless your holy name. Satan, you have no part in me and you have no part in anyone here. I bind you and rebuke you. And Jesus himself said, whatever we bind on earth is going to be bound in heaven. So I bind you, Satan. And Jesus also said, whatever we loose on earth is going to be loosed in heaven. And so I loose the power of God on your life. In your spirit, in your mind, in your body, in your family, in your finances, in your marriage, in your business, in your finances, in every area from the crown of your head even unto the soles of your feet. I pray and I believe, and I expect a miracle. The supernatural intervention of God in your life. Until I see you again, in Jesus' name, amen. Give him a praise. him tonight. Hallelujah. One more good praise. Come on. One more the same person you were 64 hours ago. That's two and a half days. You are not the same person. I promise you, you're not the same. Something has been put inside of all of us, everyone watching. And because I've been doing this for a long time, what you're going to find out now is how how much easier it's going to be to believe God for whatever it is you need in your life. It's going to be so much easier now. You're going to just begin to think about what you need, and the next thing you know, you're going to pray, and the next thing, I mean, the doubt and unbelief has been slain. Amen. Doubt and unbelief has been slain. And you are going to be amazed how quickly things are going to come to pass. And I'm saying this, not by just experience, but I believe it's also by the Spirit, things are going to come to pass so quickly that before 
were so difficult, they're just going to come to pass quickly, just quickly, like rushing into your life quickly. And you're going to go into a new level where your thought life is going to be so connected with the Spirit of God that some things you won't even get a chance to pray about because they're going to show up before you can get the words out of your mouth. They're going to just show up. Now, I know we've been here a little while tonight, but hasn't it been rich? I have to close out then. If I said that, I was just told by the Spirit to give you the one-and-a-half-minute story that most of you have heard a number of times, but some of you haven't. We were downtown in the old building, in the police building, which we took Richard down there too. I said, I know you can't even imagine. When you look at that parking lot, you, I mean, you guys know if you go down there now, you can't even imagine there was a building there. But we all know there was because we were in it. And we were in that building, and you've heard the story. But we had just been in there a little while, and we, we sat on the platform back in the day. Pastor Ginger and I would sit on the platform, and we, all we had was a couple of folding chairs to put up there. And one day I was down there walking around during the day. No one was in the building, and I was just talking to God. And then I just stopped, and I just walked around, and I didn't say anything at all. And I happened to look back up at the platform, and this thought hit my mind. Man, I wish we had a couple of wing-back chairs for that stage because I had been to a couple other churches, and I saw the pastor sitting in these wing-back chairs. I, ne I didn't say it. It never even came out of my mouth. But the thought, I said, if we just had a couple of wing-back chairs, for, that's what I thought in my mind. If we just had a couple of wing-back chairs, that would be awesome. God's truth. Two minutes later, I hear this noise out front of our building there because, as you know, if you were there, the foyer was about four steps, and then you were in the sanctuary. I mean, it was a sidewalk street. You were almost at our church. And I walked to the back of the auditorium, and a lady and her husband had just started attending a few weeks before. And she came in and she said, Pastor William, uh, my husband and I were moving some stuff in our house and I thought we'd come by. We've got a couple of wingback chairs out here. Would you like to have them? That ought to get a better response than that now. That was the first time. It's not been the only time. That's the first time in my life I ever experienced the scripture exceedingly, abundantly, above all you could even ask or think according to the power that works inside of you. And the reason I told that story is I hear the Lord saying some things you're not going to even be able to get the words out. You're going to think and all of a sudden it's just going to show up. And the reason now I can understand why that would be true is because we have been, we've been taken out into the water this week. We're not near the shore anymore. We're out there, we're out there where the miracles take place, where the, where the storms are tamed and the demons are, are put aside. We're out in the water now. And get ready in these days ahead. And God intends for you to let this be a life builder, a life building moment in your life that you're always going to look back to April the 18th through the 20th and say, 
2021, those were life-changing days in my life. How many of you believe that that is true for your life? How many of you online believe that? I can't see your hand, but I know you're out there. You can put, I know you can do a wave online. I know you can do that, so you go ahead and do that too. Well, we are so thankful. We're so blessed. We don't have totals for the meetings, but we saw after last night, we had our hearts set on a number and because we believe the Lord said that number. And, and so we could tell last night going into this meeting, we're going to eclipse that number. We're, we're going we're gonna to eclipse that number. And uh, so, <laughs> whoo, you put good seed and good ground, and you better get ready to build some more barns because you're going to need it. You're going to need it. You're going to need it. So shall your barns be filled with plenty. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. Well, there's no way to close these meetings. You can't close them. You have to go home and, and just let it keep coming up inside of you. The wonder of technology is you can go back and watch these on Facebook, Facebook and on our website and go to our Outreach.fm podcast, listen to all of them. You ought to listen to all of them again. Just, just, and, and the cool thing is you can relive it again. It's just, it's an amazing thing. So thank you uh, from Pastor Ginger and from me. I first of all want to commend all of you for stepping up. Stepping up and coming to these meetings and setting aside your life for a few days and giving them to God. Thank you so much. And uh, Exit 1, Pastor David and everybody that's come from Exit 1 through this uh, service. We drove out to the church today. I took Richard out there, showed him the building. We drove into the parking lot, and the Spirit of God spoke to uh, Dr. Ogles and said, uh, this is the kind of property that we need for our ministry in Oklahoma. I believe the reason Pastor brought us here. I said, and then the Spirit of the Lord spoke with me, and I said, and I grabbed hold and prayed for both of them in El Greco's car. I said, the Lord said, I brought you here today so you could see this, and now you have the deposit of faith, and it's going to come to your life too. Amen. Amen. So uh, share, and, and that, now the last thing is, Talk about this. Talk about it. Talk about it. Those of you that know each other, talk back and forth about what you got and what you received and what you heard. Th those things are so important. Uh, we used to go and shut down every, we'd go and shut the restaurants down in town. We'd be in the meeting to 1030 at night. We'd go find the latest restaurant open and we'd go in there and, and we'd stay and they'd keep looking at us like, will you guys ever go home? But we'd go back in the restaurant and preach to each other another two hours once we left the meeting. So go home or go wherever you're going and talk about it. Get up tomorrow and talk about it. And uh, you're going to see some amazing things happen in the days ahead. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Lift your hands toward heaven, everybody online as well. Out loud tonight, let's say, Father in heaven, thank you so much for allowing us to be in these meetings. We believe they are divine Divine deposits have been put in our lives forever. They are now there like a well that is rich and full. We will now draw out of those wells of salvation everything we need. We'll not be thirsty again. We'll not be dry again. The dry seasons are over. The dead seasons are over. The poor seasons are over. 
The six seasons are over. We are healed, delivered, and free from now on in the name of Jesus. Now give him praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Find about five people before you go out and say, and it's only just begun. Everybody online, God bless you. Have a blessed rest of the week. So you've fallen down this time. Try again. Take a look at where you've come from, where you've been. You're different now. God has changed you somehow. You know it's true. Try again. Don't let failure get the best of you, but try again. God will help you do what you must do to win. To smile, to grin, 